Let's go to West Texas. Will driving range pro Tin Cup McAvoy serving as a caddy to David Sims at the celebrity event? He grabbed the three wood out of his own bag and drilled a 240 yard shot over water to the 16th green. I had it all to do over. I still hit that shot. Yeah, I know. Man, you build yourself a life just to prove you could handle a shovel. You know why I still hit that shot? Yeah. Because it's the only way you could beat Dave Sims. No. Because you get that look in your face. I'd hit it again because that shot was a defining moment. And when a defining moment comes along, you define the moment. Or the moment defines you. Five in a row out of bounds. Till you finally pulled it off and tapped it in for a crowd-pleasing 13. When a 12 would have got you on the tour. Now that was a defining moment. And the definition was shit. This is the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your hosts, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Now, crank it up. You know, Sonny, I'm often asked by presidents, dignitaries, and well-known people all over the world how the Grown Up Rock podcast often comes up with some of these amazing, thought-provoking themes. And I got to be honest, I'm going to share the secret right here on this podcast tonight. Basically, what we do is we have our friend Steve Wright from the Potter and Hell podcast, Baco from Covers and Fire, once in a while, Tom or Zeus from the Shout It Out Loudcast. Sometimes we throw a Camaro or a Sinzak in there for good measure, and we have them rub this Buddha statue. And at night, these dreams come to me, and I keep a pad and pencil next to my bedstand, and I write them down when I wake up. So it's pretty amazing when you think about it. Yo, yo. Yo got a gift, my friend. Yo got a gift. Oh, yeah. God bless you. You got a fucking gift. No, I don't. Yes, you do. I really don't. Yes, you do. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what to say. Just edit all this shit out. What the hell? I am not editing one of these things out. I can't help that you can't take our truth. You are not ready to share our truth with the world? Wow. (laughs) Basically... It's two idiots that got a bunch of dumbass thoughts. We throw them on a sheet and figure out what's going to work next. That's basically it. 
Well, yeah, when you put it that way, it sounds much less glamorous than what I presented. Jesus. Oh, sorry. There's not a big Buddha involved. <laughs> you know what, Pooty? You're a buzzkill. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> For tonight's episode... I rubbed the boot of myself and came up with this idea. And the truth is, oftentimes, where I come up with ideas for me personally is I'll see a post on Facebook or I'll see something that just makes me think about, hmm, uh, well, what is this particular thing in rock and roll? And so I'll take that and I'll run with it and put a show around it and come up with a theme. I think that was the case for this particular thing. So I got to thinking... What song defines a band? What single song defines that band? Because it's not necessarily the most popular song that they have. You know, if you said Led Zeppelin, would the answer to that be Stairway to Heaven? I kind of think that's probably true. If you said Queen, it would have to be something like Bohemian Rhapsody, I think. That defines the band, certainly the most popular and well-known song. If you were going to tell somebody, hey, have you heard of this band? And they would say, hmm, well, what do they, what do they play? You would say this song, right? Whatever song that is. So that's kind of what this episode is about. We're going to do a rapid fire situation. Sonny and I didn't share any of the bands. I took all the bands from what, like the dawn of time till 1989, I think. Yeah, the dawn of time till 1989. And you took everything from 1990 to present day. And that's how we stayed without repeats in the bands that were going to rapid fire each other. And I think the idea is I'm going to fire off a couple of bands. You're going to tell me the first song that comes to mind or the song that you think defines that band. And then we're going to discuss it, correct? Yeah, this whole song defines a band thing should be interesting because to me, like you were saying about Zeppelin and Stairway to Heaven, Stairway to Heaven defines them to me because there's a lot of flavors in the song and it shows a lot of what Zeppelin does. The problem is that happens to be their most popular song, right? But if their most popular song was Black Dog, let's say, then, well, yeah, they do that too, but that doesn't define most of what they do, if that makes sense, right? So. Aerosmith would be very interesting. I think, you know, whatever makes you popular maybe connects you to that band and you end up labeling that band as such, but that's not really what defines who that band is. So it'll be interesting. At times it'll be the same. At times it will be significantly different, especially when you get into the mid to late eighties and early nineties, because if you were to ask the listeners what defines them, it's going to be all of their ballads. And we're probably not going to talk about most of those. Well, and another interesting thing that I particularly like about this is some of the bands that I chose to talk about actually have two careers or two errors, so to speak. So who's to say which error defines that band because they had success with both. And then another thing is, is I went a little off the beaten path with some of the bands for you, but all the bands, you know, like that was one of the criteria is make sure it's a band that you're well aware of. Make sure it's a band that has a catalog because we can't say what song defines this band that has one album out. You know, it's kind of like, so there really aren't any new, new bands, but that's kind of the path that we went with in particular. That's the way I approached it. 
Yeah, the bands 90 and after was tougher because there's certain bands I don't want to talk about, right? I'll tell you right now, we're not going to talk about the Foo Fighters tonight because I didn't want to talk about the Foo Fighters tonight. We're not talking about Nirvana tonight because I don't fucking like Nirvana. So I stuck to the bands that I enjoy or at least can stomach some of the stuff. I was not going to talk about bands I don't like. But every time that I came across, I'm like, oh, I want to talk about that band, 80s. Oh, I want to talk about that band, 70s. I'm like, damn, Steven's got all the good bands. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) that's for sure. And so it'll be interesting to see what you came up with, because I'm assuming everything you are bringing up is stuff that I, I know well. Yeah, what I did was I picked bands, obviously, after 1990. But the way I went about it is they might have been established before 1990, but they didn't release their first album until 1990. That's kind of where I went with it. So, because that put some of the bands like in 87, 88, but they didn't have anything out. So nobody knew them anyway. Yeah. All right. So let's save all the fun and craziness for a little bit later on, but let's do this the way we like to do this, which is starting off this way. It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. So tonight's Crank It Up New Music Spotlight comes to us from a Swedish melodic hard rock band that was recently signed by Frontiers Record. And I believe it is pronounced Rian or Ryan. It's R-I-A-N. What I was able to figure out about this thing is that it's basically started out as one or two guys writing and playing everything, but then they finally put a band together around it, and that's kind of where it's at now. They're releasing their second album, because they already released a debut album, the second album, which is, I think it's out now, it's called 23, and it took shape under the direction of a producer named Daniel Flores. The new songs were written by the vocalist and guitar player Richard Andermeer, They added a guitar player named Tobias Jacobson, and they came up with this album. So check out this lead-off track from the album 23. This is a song called Stop.
So the song starts, riff kicks in. I'm like, oh, okay, I can see why Steven likes this. Then it gets to the chorus and the keyboards kick in. I'm like, I'm surprised Steven didn't turn this off. I, this isn't too keyboardy for you. No, it makes in enough guitar for me that keeps me interested. The first album I went and listened to earlier this week, and it's got some stuff on it that I like. And somebody was saying that they much preferred the first album to this new album. But I kind of feel the opposite because the new album to me sounds like it has a little bit better mix of guitar to keyboards. Yeah, this band and this album for me falls into that bucket of, yeah, it's a good vocal. Yeah, it's kind of in my bang zone. But there's something off in the songwriting that doesn't completely connect with me, right? So I liked about half the album. The other half of the album, I was meh. And it falls into that bucket of they need somebody to come help, to kind of put it together and kind of take it to the next level, Right. And, you know, I always say Desmond Child, Ron Nevison, you can't keep bringing up the same 70 year old people, but I'm sure there's, you know, they need uh, Alessandro. Maybe Alessandro is helping, but like they're missing one piece that would make it just super outstanding because the production's really good. But there's times where I'm like, oh, I wish that course would have went here and it kind of landed there. Or, okay, right for the guitar solo, I wish they would have went here, but they didn't really go anywhere. So, yeah, there's something missing for me. I don't think Alessandro is uh, involved in this one, which is, like I said, probably a good thing. He can't be involved in every damn uh, Frontiers thing. So he's not involved in this, be it good or bad. Yeah, I don't disagree with any of your uh, your synopsis. I don't know. I got to give it some, some more time. I haven't spent enough time with it, but I do like this song and I do like uh, some other stuff on the record. It's just a matter of spending more time. And sometimes I wonder with you whether that's the case where it's just you haven't spent enough time with something, but you're pretty headstrong about if it doesn't hit you right the first time, it's not going to hit you. So, And I've tried. There isn't anything that I'll listen to put it away after a couple of times, come back to it two months later, and it sounds any different to me. It just doesn't. And what I'm talking about, about that bucket issue is, you know, I've, I've been there and seen like Johnny and Tony Wright from Restraint. I've seen them bring things in solo and they're okay, but then the other guy grabs it and puts something in that takes it to the next level, right? So I think everybody needs that. We saw it with John and Richie and Bon Jovi, right? Together, they're great, separate, meh. Right. The Young Guns record was okay. Richie's record was eh. Right. I was counting on two great records. I'm like, uh, maybe you guys could just do stuff together now. <laughs> well, there's definitely a chemistry factor with a lot of things. There's no doubt about that. We've seen that a million times where somebody on their own just doesn't work, even if they're the ones that write everything. I mean, it just doesn't seem to work the same as it works with other people that are involved with it. Yeah. There's a chemistry to it, no doubt. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. Let's get into tonight's episode. So basically the way this is going to fall out is I'm going to rapid fire a couple of bands at you. And you're going to give me the first song that comes to mind that you think defines the band. We're going to talk about those three songs. I said a couple. So I'm going to fire off three songs. You're going to give me that first song that comes to mind. And then I'm going to share what my personal choice would have been for the song. 
and maybe talk about how that song defines the band for you. And then we're going to look at the Spotify numbers and see what Spotify says is the most popular song for that particular band or artist, whatever. That sound about right to you? Yeah, let's go. All right. Here we go. Van Halen. Van Halen. Ain't talking about love. Bon Jovi. Living on a prayer. Prince. Oh my God. Prince? Don't overthink it. Wow. To me, uh, the one that defines him, uh, I got to go with 1999. Okay. So for Van Halen, you said ain't talking about love. I would have said probably you really got me or ain't talking about love. Obviously, for 90% of the people that are fans of Van Halen, it's what? Jump. Yeah. (laughs) And that's just because of where that song lands and it's played at the mall. That's why. (laughs) That's right. So Spotify (laughs) says 492 million all-time streams for Jump. So that is by far their most popular song on Spotify. Bon Jovi, you said, what did you say? Living on a Prayer? Living on a Prayer. Living on a Prayer, by far their most popular at 790 million streams. I say something more along the lines of you give love a bad name, maybe, but I can't argue with Living on a Prayer. That's probably the correct answer for a defining song for this band. Prince, now you struggled with this one. I wanted you to kind of rip something off quick, whatever was on the top of your head. But you said 1999. I say, let's go crazy. I contemplated that, right? So the minute you said Prince, first album that pops in my head is Purple Rain. Mm -hmm. It's one of the best albums of all time. There's Mm -hmm. no doubt about it, right? But to me, a lot of what's on Purple Rain is polished Prince that he's been working on for three, four albums already. Mm -hmm. Like if you really want to get a little more raw, but it's not beginner Prince, it's really the 1999 record where you get Little Red Corvette Mm -hmm. and some of those that kind of, I guess, are a springboard to what Prince becomes later. Yeah. Prince is a hard artist to define because he's not in a box at all. He's so all over the place. But for me, Let's Go Crazy has... The rock prints that I love, the funk prints that I love, and a little bit of the R&B prints that I love. So it combines all these styles in this song to me, and obviously from the Purple Rain soundtrack, so very, very popular time for him. But Spotify says Purple Rain is what defines Prince because it's got 276 million streams, and that's his most popular streaming song. Yeah, and that doesn't surprise me because Purple Rain's been on everything. And that's where, like, how can a song define Prince that he didn't write, really? Yeah. He didn't write that song. Yeah. So how's that define who he is? (laughs) (laughs) Just like I can't go with You Really Got Me for Van Halen. I I get it, but he didn't write that song. So how does that define them? Yeah. Fair. That's a fair point.
So time for another triple pack. You ready? Sure. Motley Crue. Uh, Dr. Feelgood. Y&T. Black Tiger. How about Journey? To me, it's Stone in Love. Okay. (laughs) All right. Fair enough. (laughs) Okay. So with Motley Crue, I would have said looks that kill because that's pretty much the breaking point for them. Yeah. Not to feel good. They had a lot of popularity and all that stuff. There's no doubt about it. But to me, it's looks that kill that defined the band early on. Now, they changed a little bit over the course of time. According to Spotify, it's Kickstart My Heart at 302 million streams. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Like, I I almost went with Girls, 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 right? To me, the motley that defines them to me is the party motley. You got the thundering drums. You got the cool guitar riff, right? Kickstart My Heart has that. Dr. Feelgood has that. Girls, Girls, Girls has that fun. It's hard for me to pick a song off Shout that defines Motley because they really haven't found who they're going to be yet. They were a lot more girls, girls, girls in their world than they were looks at kill. Yeah. They were a lot of things, right? They were a glam band on that first album straight out of like, uh, you know, the house of the sweet. Then they became this heavy metal leather clad sort of priesty sort of dirty band kind of thing and then they went back to glam (laughs) yeah so they're they're a little bit all over the place so it's kind of hard to define them but musically if you were to probably ask a lot of people they might say home sweet home but yeah that's just a popular song right i mean that's that's basically the closest well it's the best ballad they did and they didn't do another one that even came close to that I'm actually surprised that's not their most streamed song, to be honest. But yeah. All right. Y&T, you said Black Tiger. I think this is the personal you talking. I didn't say Black Tiger. I think it's going to be different for a lot of people, depending on when you got into the band. I actually said Mean Street for me, because that was the first album that I got from them was the Mean Street album. But obviously, their most popular song is what? Summertime, Summertime Girls. Yeah. Stupid. Yeah. 15 million streams, by far their most popular song. And I think if you ask the serious Y&T fans, they'll tell you that song really does not define the band. That's not, that's not 90% of what the band is about, right? Yeah. And that's why I picked Black Tiger, right? To me, Y&T is defined by a great guitar riff, a great solo Right, I could have picked forever. I could have picked pretty much anything off the Black Tiger album, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And you got that like gritty vocal by Manichetti. Like it's simple rock that's done well. Mm-hmm. And Mean Streak is too. There's no doubt. Right. Then we went to Journey and you said Stone in Love. Now, Stone in Love, correct me if I'm wrong, is your favorite Journey song, right? Uh, it changes. Uh, it's in the top five for sure. Yeah. It's a favorite of mine as well. I don't think that song defines them. I think it's one of the hidden gems, honestly. There's a lot of people that overlook that song because of all the great material that's on Escape. I would have said that pre-Glee, <laughs> the show, <laughs> Glee, I would have said that the song that defines Journey is Any Way You Want It because it was so popular 
you know, it was in the Caddyshack movie and it was just a popular song. It was one of their more popular songs. So that would have been the tune that I said defines Journey. But then Glee happens and Don't Stop Believing becomes this ridiculous, basically phenomenon. So, <laughs> Jesus, Spotify says that Don't Stop Believing has one billion, with a B, streams. I mean, that is unbelievable to me. Literally unbelievable to me. Billion with a B. That song's everywhere. The reason Stone and Love does it for me is because you got that great vocal and it's not just a ballad. It's a good mix of ballad and rock, but it's kind of mid-tempo where, you know, the first song that popped in my head was Don't Stop Believing. Of course it is because you can hear it everywhere, right? That's their jump. There's no doubt about it. Now, that song, I'd much rather have Don't Stop Believing be Journey's Albatross than Summertime Girls be Y&T's Albatross, to be honest, because at least Don't Stop Believing is in the bang zone of who they are. A hundred percent agree. And I was going to make that comment because you said that's their jump. Well, yeah, jump to me isn't at all what Van Halen is about. Whereas Don't Stop Believing really has a good mixture of pretty much everything Journey's about. They have the slower ballad feel at the beginning, but then it has the major rock feel and it's a combination of the two. So I agree out of all the songs, uh, Summertime Girls and Jump, I think that Don't Stop Believing is more of a defining song for Journey than Summertime Girls is for YT or Jump for Van Halen. 100% agree. Okay, so some of mine, because I had to pick after 1990, so it was Slim Pickens. Possibly one, maybe two of these bands are like, I don't listen to them. It's possible that happens, but it is what it is. All right, so my first three, let's go with Stone Temple Pilots. Plush. Slaughter. Up All Night. The Killers. Uh, God, yeah, that's going to be a tough one for me because I don't know that band that well. Mr. Brightside, is that a song by them? Yeah, it is. Okay, that would be the one. Yeah. So for Stone Temple Pilots, you said plush. You know, I, I would have went probably Interstate Love Song or Wicked Garden, right? Plush makes it too. All three have that. Stone Temple Pilot sound. There's no doubt about it right there that I classify it as that bridge between grunge and hard rock. The vocal kind of has grunge stylings, but the music's more hard rock. And Spotify has Interstate Love Song at 211 million. It's their number one. So uh, for Slaughter, yeah, Up All Night. I'll tell you, no woman would say Up All Night, right? They'd say Fly to the Angels, which is their number one on Spotify, 13 million. For me, though, it's more like desperately and real love. And that's not enough. Those are not popular songs, but when you get to those songs, that's got the backing vocals, the Mark vocals that everybody likes. It's not too screechy. It's not too anthemic. It's a little more like up all night. They're trying to be anthemic. Those other songs, uh, like desperately and mad about you and that kind of stuff. That's kind of what shows their straight rock kind of charting type melodies Mark's vocal can be tough. I think it's great, but it can get, you know, people got to get used to it a little bit because it can sound whiny after a while. But, uh, so yeah, that's what I had on that. And then the killers. Yeah. It all depends on if you listen to the killers or not. They got a ton of albums out there. Their first release was in 2004. And you know, these guys, they're basically alt rock kind of indie rock. I've seen killers live three or four times because they're from Vegas, but live, they're really just a straight rock band. 
Mr. Brightside has 1.2 billion streams. Jeez. These guys are popular. guys not only have their own albums from 2004 on every one of the members also have done solo albums since then so they got a lot of stuff out there if you're a killers fan mr brightside probably lands it for me too i personally like somebody told me better but uh, that's just because i got a little bit of burnout on mr brightside yeah and i think they had a, a song early on in their career that i really liked but i can't remember the title of it and i'm pretty sure it wasn't mr brightside and they've had a few member changes. They, you know, they got touring musicians in there. They're one of those bands that they layer on a lot of stuff. So you can't just go out as a four piece sometimes like that. That makes it tough, but uh, they can afford to pay 10 musicians on stage or whatever. So I guess, you know, who cares? All right. So my next three firehouse, uh, I guess love of a lifetime disturbed. <laughs> Damn it. What's the name of that song? The, I, 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 yeah. He does that it? a lot, but you're talking about Down With The Sickness. He does that in a lot of songs, but you're talking about Down With The Sickness. Yep. Avenged Sevenfold. See, I told you, after 1990, it was tough. Oh, my God. You're picking up a bunch of bands. Nightmare or something. What's the name of that song? I think it is called Nightmare. 
nightmare. Let me let me also say that the songs, the way that I'm approaching the answers to your questions is basically the first song that hits my my head. So yeah. these aren't necessarily my favorite songs from these bands by any means. You're asking me in a rapid fire way a defining song for bands. So I figure that the first band the first song that pops into my head is going to be the best answer. Is it the most yeah. streamed or is it my favorite? No, but if it pops into my head first, I'm thinking, okay, well, that's probably, there's a reason for that. And that's what I was talking about is what's popping into your head first is the most popular song. I'm sorry, but love of a lifetime does not define firehouse. 100%. Love of a lifetime happens to be a firehouse song. A hundred percent. I agree with you a thousand percent on that. For me, the song that would define, well, you know, it's kind of hard with firehouse because they do a lot of ballady stuff. They do a lot of acoustic mixed with rock. My favorite Firehouse song is probably a song like Shake and Tumble, but the song that defines them is maybe Don't Treat Me Bad, something like that, maybe. Yeah, I was thinking like All She Wrote or Get In Touch or Overnight Sensation, right? There's the big chorus. There's a lot of backing. There's a good guitar solo. It's an easy melody to hear. It's memorable later. That's the kind of stuff Firehouse writes. But yeah, their number one stream song, of course, is Love of Lifetime. It's at every wedding. That's why. Uh, disturbed. So, you know, love or hate disturbed, depending on who you are, you know, it took them six years to even get their first album out there. They've been around since 94 and they didn't release, uh, the sickness until 2000 down with the sickness is their most streamed song, 454 million. They don't really go too far away from that. Now down with the sickness, got that whole thing where he's yelling at his mother or whatever. He doesn't do that in every song. When you hear the radio edit, they cut all that stuff out anyway, but that, ooh, ah, ah, like that's in a lot of songs because you know, what Jermaine does is there's an aggression to his singing. You know, sometimes it's basically rapping, but he can actually sing too. And the music makes you just like want to randomly punch people. Like that's, that's a kind of aggression. The music is <laughs> <laughs> now, although their number one ranked song on Spotify is down with a sickness, their number one stream song on Spotify is actually the sounds of silence. So just to let you know. And then Event Sevenfold, they're similar to Disturbed without that type of vocal is probably more in the Metallica Maiden Dream Theater vein than it is more aggressive. It's probably more progressive than aggressive, I guess you could almost say. Their number one stream song is actually Hail to the King. Uh, it's got like uh, 528 million streams or something like that. Like I reached out to uh, Dylan. I'm like, what's a song that defines Event Sevenfold? He texts me back, Backcountry. Because it's got, you know, a little bit of the acoustic feel. It's got the little bit of the aggression. And these guys are kind of like the modern Metallica, really. Like, if you listen to them, you could easily interchange the two bands. I really like Event Sevenfold. I know not everybody loves them, but you got you to gotta get used to it a little bit. I'd have to get used to them a lot of bit.
really good you just probably haven't really given them a chance i've tried to listen to it a couple times now i will say that the songs that we've played on this podcast hail to the king i think is one of the songs that we played i liked that one that nightmare song i think is another song i thought that was okay i think we played scream that was a pretty good song but i swear i've tried to listen to their record in full and i was just like man i don't get it i just don't get it and it just didn't connect with me I got so many things I need to spend time with, but I can't say that that's at the top of my list, but (laughs) that's what you get for. I didn't want to do Foo Fighters or Nickelback or Smashing Pumpkins. I I stayed away from those guys. Yeah, that's just a shame. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not. (laughs) At least I would have known some of that stuff. (laughs) Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. So let's take a few minutes out for the Loud Minority Facebook group. We talk about them often. They're a great group of folks that talk about our podcast. We discuss themes. We discuss new music, concerts, things like that. It's over there on Facebook. So if your Facebook user just asked to join the Loud Minority Facebook group, it's called the Grown Up Rock Loud Minority Facebook group. Uh, and we'll let you join, come in, talk about the show and themes, and we get you guys involved in sometimes on some of the themes that we're discussing. It's just a good group of people that like to talk about rock and roll. In addition to that, you can always really help out the podcast by leaving us a five-star review over at Podchaser. We always put the Podchaser link in our show notes. And so if you're listening to it on whatever platform you listen to this podcast, just scroll down and hit that link and leave us a five-star review and tell us what you dig. And that's really about it. That's all we ask from you folks. Other than that, thanks for enjoying the show. Thanks for taking part actively in our conversations. And now that's my public service announcement. Back to our show. So it's time for my next batch of three songs. Man, you got it easy. At least the groups that I'm giving you pretty easy. You're giving me tough You ones. had everything to pick from. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we should have divided up the 80s. All right. <laughs> All right. Anyway, you ready? Yeah. ACDC. 
Oh, boy. Uh, Highway to Hell. Iron Maiden. The Trooper. Sammy Hagar. I can't drive 55. Awesome. Okay. So ACDC, you said Highway to Hell. This was one of the bands I was saying has really two different eras, both very successful. So you've got the Bon Scott era and the Brian Johnson era. Obviously, the bulk and majority of people out there probably know Back in Black. And so for me, I would say something like You Shook Me All Night Long would be the defining song for uh, the majority of average listeners to ACDC. Their most streamed song is Back in Black at 860 million streams. You said Highway to Hell, and honestly, that's exactly the song that I would pick from the Bon Scott era because that song is all over the place. It's in a lot of TV shows, movies. That's a very popular song. But for whatever reason, people fall back on Back in Black, You Shoot Me All Night Long, probably because, I mean, it was a one of those, you know, rare album, Diamond Certified albums. So uh, I guess that's what it is. But I would say Back in Black, You Shoot Me All Night Long for the Brian Johnson era and definitely Highway to Hell for the Bon Scott era. Iron Maiden, you said Trooper. I agree. Spotify. It's really amazing how close it is. So Trooper and Run to the Hills were at 215 and 216 million streams. I found that kind of interesting because I thought Trooper would run away with it, but it was really pretty tight in those two songs. Yeah, they're two popular songs. You know, Spotify came out obviously way after Maiden started. Run to the Hills is on the album prior. I think... Nowadays, you hear the Trooper a lot more covered. I hear it a lot more than I hear Run to the Hills wherever I hear Iron Maiden. Mm-hmm. Uh, but both have got the gallop, right? There's there, You cannot pick an Iron Maiden song that defines them and don't pick a song that's got a gallop, the dual guitar solo, both of them fighting each other on the guitar. And to me, you got to pick a Bruce vocal because I'm sorry, I get it. People love Diano, but that's not who, that none, nothing he did defines Maiden to me long-term. No, as much as I like Deano and I like the Killers record, I agree with you there. I think that you do have to pick a uh, Bruce vocal. The band had their greatest success with Bruce, so there's you'll get no argument from me there. Uh, maybe a song like Two Minutes to Midnight, but Trooper, I mean, they named their beer after it. So uh, <laughs> it's. Uh, I think that's the right choice for a defining song for the band. Sammy Hagar, you said can't drive 55. Honestly, I never even really thought about that, but I actually agree with that. I said, your love is driving me crazy. It was just the first thing that popped into my head. That's because you're old. Oh, well, that's true. (laughs) The album cover for Three Lot Box also popped in my head. This song, uh, your love is driving me crazy is off that album. Spotify says heavy metal is his most streamed song at 28 million streams. That's probably because of the movie, most likely. So I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, Sammy's tough because he had a bunch of albums before Three Lockbox and VOA. Some of those albums are a tough listen. Like he doesn't really get into his own till he gets to Three Lockbox. 
And then he starts writing some songs that basically he's going to build his career on the rest of the way. Now Van Halen changed that up a little bit, but even when he, after he gets out of Van Halen, he basically, where he left off VOA, he basically started right back up again in the same type of music. So Sammy needed keyboards. He probably did not want a lot of keyboards at the beginning, but come to find out by the time three lock box rolls around, he did need some of that because it did make his songwriting that much better and that much more melodic that, you know, the red jumpsuit, you know, in the court on the video, I can't drive 55 like that is quintessential Sammy. Now the problem is you get to Sammy after Van Halen, like, so he kind of changes his persona as he gets through Van Halen a little bit because he ends up being this beach guy. But reality is he started out as a car guy. I disagree a little bit with the thought that I personally, I think he built the foundation for his career with Standing Hampton. I think Standing Hampton, the album, allowed him to have success with VOA and with Three Lot Box. Well, Three Lot Box and then VOA, but that's my personal belief. The, the albums that came before the, um, uh, what was it, Red and Trans Am and those albums, he may have had some minor success with those, but that's not at all to me uh, what defines Sammy Hagar, even with all the red and all that other stuff. It starts with Standing Hampton because it did have heavy metal on it, One Way to Rock. Uh, so it had some great stuff on there on fire. Uh, and then that allowed him to build off of that success with three lock box, which happened to hit at the same time MTV was coming into play. And then he went crazy with 55 on VOA. So that's how I see his career progressing a little bit. Next three, bad company. I think I'm going to go with the song bad company. All right. Hall of notes. Oh my God. Kiss on my list. Scorpions. I would say blackout. Interesting choice. Okay. So I picked all three of these bands because I thought it was a really interesting mixture of bands. It wasn't all straight up rock, hard rock. The other thing is, is I knew that you liked a couple of these bands. Well, you like all three actually, but you're more of a, um, a later bad company fan than the earlier stuff. So bad company, I would have said bad company, just like you or rock and roll fantasy, maybe shooting star. Spotify says feel like making love. Of course they do. Is their most popular <laughs> uh, by far 117 million streams for them on that song. Hall and Oates, kiss on my list. That's a great choice. I actually thought about Rich Girl, but then I was kind of like, well, that's not a song that defines them, but I really like Rich Girl. So You Make My Dreams popped into my head. By far their most popular song, 578 million streams for that one. And then Scorpions, you threw a loop and said Blackout, which was interesting to me because I'm definitely a Blackout guy. You're more of the Love at First Sting guy. By far, Winds of Change, their most popular at 372 million, but I think you and I both know that doesn't define the band. So I said rock you like a hurricane. Because I think when you when you think of the Scorpions, the average listener, we're not talking about geeks like you and me, the average listener will say, Oh, the band that does rock you like a hurricane. Rock you like a hurricane is a defining song for them. I mean, it it fits who they are. 
the majority of their successful stuff, right? They had a lot of stuff in the early, early years that's really a hard listen. But to me, that doesn't define that band. Agree? Yeah, I think I'll go with Scorpions first. Reason I said Blackout is there's some stuff on Love at First Sting, including Rocky Like a Hurricane, which was probably a little more commercial than they really wanted to be. I think if they had their choice, they would have done the Blackout record 18 more times because it was still super rocking. They maybe don't make as much money as they have, but by the time they got the Savage Amusement, that's not the score. That's not Scorpions anymore. That they've become a hair metal band. Like that's that's their turbo kind of thing, right? So um, that's kind of why I went with Blackout. With Hall Notes, any 80s, early 80s songs would have worked. Make My Dream Come True, Man Eater, Kiss on My List, all of those are, they've got that kind of poppy, bouncy type, positive kind of uh, synth heavy, uh, great vocal type song. They made their money on that. You listen to, you know, <laughs> pretty much anything before 78, that is not who they are. You listen to anything after like 95, that isn't who they are. They've had kind of like, they started out as this kind of like wanted to be temptations, R&B, go to this pop group kind of thing, and then kind of landed on easy listening at the end. So that's kind of how their careers went, which I, I love it, but you know, it's, it's definitely not for everybody. I was surprised how high up their man eater was. Honestly, oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's a popular song. It's just not one that comes to the mind immediately for me personally, but yeah. All right, so I got six for you, and uh, my guess is you know all these six, so the, these should be these should be pretty easy. Eclipse, uh, bleed and scream, bleed and scream. Okay, hailstorm, miss mistreater. That's miss the misery. Miss mistreater is. Uh, oh, that's that's <laughs> great white, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> my bad. I think you mean miss the misery. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I think you're probably right. Go with that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Black Label Society. Blessed Hellrod. Okay, so for Eclipse, you went with Bleeding Scream. I I had that as one of my choices. You know, I don't think you can go wrong with Black Rain, Bleeding Scream, Ain't Dead Yet, Never Look Back. That is the heart of what Eclipse is. Feet. 
you know, you listen to those first couple of albums, they quite haven't figured it out yet. By the time they get to that third, fourth album, they've got their sound absolutely down. But their most popular song on Spotify is actually Viva La Victoria because it's getting played on every soccer stadium right now. So it's got like 13 million streams right now. So um, that's going to end up defining them possibly later on. Hailstorm, you went with uh, Miss the Misery, not Miss Mistreater. That definitely works. Uh, Love Bites, so do I. Could have worked. That's, you know, both of those songs are off the second album and, and they've really, that first album's outstanding. They get the second album, it's even better. Their number one song right now is uh, Bad Romance for 36 million. I think that's because people are trying to find Lady Gaga's and they land on that every once in a while. But if you look there, actually most dream song, which is in second place is I Miss the Misery at 108 million. Yeah. Because the way Spotify works is it doesn't necessarily, your highest dream song isn't number one. It's whatever's been the most popular lately ends up being number one for a while. Right. Um, and then with uh, Black Label Society, which was a big surprise, you went with Blessed Hell Ride. A lot of people would have went with that. I'm more the Funeral Bell because that's off the same album, right? Or like Parade of the Dead or like Overlord or Demise of Sanity. Like you got to have got to have that really cool riff. You got to have the pinch harmonics. That's who Zach is. Like that's what Black Label is. The number one stream song is actually Stillborn. That was going to be my other choice too. Stillborn. Yeah. yeah because of yeah. Ozzy's vocals, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's Ozzy fans coming and checking it out. That, and I just, I love that riff. I love Stillborn. I like that song a lot. Yeah. Zach is interesting, right? He, he can be a tough li- listen because he can really get out there and he likes singing some of those sad songs and then right when he's doing that sad song. Yeah. It's, it can be a tough listen. It really can. You know, Hailstorm, we've talked about Hailstorm a ton, but I would say Eclipse is like the new Whitesnake. Like that's what Whitesnake was to me in the 80s is what Eclipse is to me now. It's like a modern version. He holds no secrets. He strives that. He strives it in the recording. He tries to record and produce a lot like those 87 uh, Whitesnake record and things like that. He states that as a big influence. I really, to me, a song like Vertigo, I'm surprised that didn't pop into my head first because that by far is Jen's favorite Eclipse song. She loves that tune. I'd love it too, man. It's a great song. So one of my favorites for sure. And that's like, you know, that because it's <laughs> Jen's favorite, it's on every playlist that we have basically. <laughs> so, all right. And so for the last three, first one, I got heat. Emergency. Lynch mob. River. 6 a.m. Life is beautiful. I almost said beautiful people. Different band. Yeah. Oh, there's Life is Beautiful and Lies of the Beautiful People. It's two different songs. Lies of the Beautiful People. That's the one. That's the one you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we talk about clips a lot. We talk about heat a lot. And I love hair metal. I love hollow notes. And to me, he kind of blends a little bit of the two. Emergencies, my favorite song. Their number one most streamed song is actually A Thousand Miles. But their number one song today is Dangerous Ground. And each of them only have like five or eight million streams. Heat's not huge, but like those first couple albums, although they're back with the same singer, those first couple albums, they haven't quite figured it out. It's not until really Eric joins that they've really got figured out what their sound's going to be. And they haven't let go of that sound since the day they figured it out, Yeah, (laughs) which is good. Lynch Mob. You know, when Lynch Mob first came out, I've said it, I was like, oh my God. 
we got an upgrade on Don Dockin because live Don left something to be desired. Like on tape, it was fine, but live, I'm like, come on, can we get somebody else? And uh, Oni coming in with that, you know, that soulful voice. I was like, all right, I think I can get in this guy now after seeing Oni fall off stage five, six times. That's a little <laughs> bit different. <laughs> you can't remember any of the words. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a little bit too much of that peyote. Easy there, dream catcher. <laughs> yeah. I initially would have went with the River of Love too, but then I was like, you know what? Wicked Sensation is probably the song, and that is the, their most popular song on Spotify is Wicked Sensation. But it's odd, right? Because first album had one singer, and then the second album had a different singer. So it's hard to go, which one defines them? That's tough. And that second album was really, as much as I think there's a lot of great stuff on that second album, that second album really was a different sound for them. I mean, they they had horns there, just some different stuff. And, you know, some of the Lynch Mob records for me have been all over the place, but honestly... 
Lynch Mob to me is Wicked Sensation, the album. And I really thought like the last album that they did, Brotherhood, I thought that was a really good record. I don't think a lot of people gave that record a chance. Was it up to par with Wicked Sensation? No, not in my opinion, but I don't think they'll ever repeat that. I think that record was a little bit of a lightning in the bottle to me personally, uh, because I really love that record. So, yeah, I, I don't disagree with Rickett's Sensation being the defining song. I just felt like River of Love was a little bit more, had the mixture of pop and uh, Lynch. So, And then with 6 a.m., 6 a.m. is an interesting situation, right? Because that first album is the Heroin Diary soundtrack, and they're trying to fit it to something that's already been written, and they kind of push it a little too hard. It's not really probably the sound Nicky wanted. Then that second album comes that has, this is going to hurt on it. And it's like, oh my God, is that the 6am sound? Because I could live with that. If that's a new Motley crew, I am hundred percent in. So to me, it's really, this is going to hurt. Is it lies of the beautiful people? I would have went there. Life is beautiful is actually their most stream song. So, and that's, I think because it's from the, you know, the soundtrack. Yeah, I think Lies of the Beautiful People are, is just a really well-written song. It's got a good melody and uh, uh, certainly one of my favorites. And, and I haven't emerged myself in that band completely uh, at all. I think they're a little bit too new medley for me. Um, so yeah. I don't know if they connect with me 100%, but there is some good stuff there for sure. Yeah, we'll come back and summarize this topic because i got a few thoughts. But, you know, we got to connect it to KISS first. It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. So for the historic moment, like a bunch of the bands we talked about today, they've got several eras, right? So there's the 80s Kiss sound. There's the most modern sound with the current makeup lineup. But I would say most every real Kiss fan, not fair weather Kiss fan, most every real Kiss fan prefers the original guys. And that's the sound that really hooked them. Right. For me, yeah, the 80s sound got me interested, but even I have to admit that when you hear the songs from the first six albums, those are the ones that really hook you in the end to be a lifelong fan. So, you know, we could have went with Detroit Rock City. You could go with Rock and Roll All Night. If you want to be a deeper track guy, people would say stuff like Strutter or something like that. But for the historic moment today, we'll go with the four originals off a of Destroyer. Let's go with Shout It Out Loud.
I like that song. Which song would you say, honestly, is the defining song for Kiss? There can only really be one answer, can there? It's it's Rock and Roll Night. That's yeah. that's the song that they're supposed to be. They set out to be the voice of a generation of a movement that says you're supposed to be able to have fun too. That was the whole point of the band, right? Yeah. So that is their defining song. Mm-hmm. But they're just like ACDC, and you know we'll wrap it up here uh, along with the conversation we have with Kiss. But just like ACDC, just like uh, I would say Journey, just like Kiss. If you were to talk to a hundred just rock fans that are not nerds like we are, you're going to get the back and black, the don't stop believing the rock and roll night answers. You get to real rock fans and real fans of these bands. Oh my God, ACDC, you're going to get 15 different songs out of 15 different people. Same Mm -hmm. thing with Kiss, same thing with Journey, right? Mm -hmm. So you get to these guys that got huge catalogs. All of a sudden their defining song gets lost in the mix. Mm-hmm. Like if I was to pick an eighties defining song for kiss to me, it's probably crazy nights, but a lot of people probably say, look it up, I guess, or heaven's on fire. What about, I love it loud. I can't say that. I will never say that because I hate that song. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the other interesting thing about this topic. It's what does, what does a defining song mean to you personally? I mean, I ha- I was very specific when I came to this theme because, to me, a defining song is one that is very well known with the band that it's defining, but also has a mixture of the band's sound. So it's not just like, okay, for extreme, more than words, probably their most popular song ever. But it's not a defining song for Extreme because it doesn't, it's not who Extreme is. It's a part of who Extreme is, but not, you know what I mean? That's, that's my point. Yeah. For that, I would have went with Get the Funk Out, right? Because now you got the solo, you got the riff, you got the great vocals, you got the backing, you got, it's fun. It's a little kitschy. There's, there's, there's meaning behind the lyrics that that's what Extreme's all about. So my thought process on this whole thing was, Somebody asked me, what does Y&T sound like? I play Black Tiger or Forever. That's mm-hmm. what I do. I don't play Summertime Girls. Somebody right. asked me what Journey sounds like. I play Stone in Love. I don't play Don't Stop Believing. Because you heard that song 8,500,000 times, and that isn't totally what Journey is. But you can't play separate ways either, because that's not exactly what Journey is, right? <laughs> that's on the other end of the spectrum. Yeah, that's right. It's an interesting topic. It'll be interesting to hear what people think of this episode and what, uh, you know, what, what they come up with. I mean, it's really easy for some bands like, like the Zeppelins and the Queens. I think there's, you know, it's, it's quick. Bohemian Rhapsody, Stairway to Heaven, Leonard Skinner, Freebird, right? I mean, it's, there are certain things like that, but when you get into some of these other bands with big catalogs and two different eras or success in two different decades and two different sounds, you know, it's just, it it starts to become uh, an interesting question. That's why I found this topic fun to do and interesting. So thanks. Good topic. Good time. Yeah. I was having a hard time keeping the videos out of it too. Cause when you said Van Halen, the first thing that popped in my head was hot for teacher. And then I'm like, wait a second, hot for teacher is not the defining song in their catalog. No. And there's a <laughs> difference between defining and favorite song or most memorable song or, you know, there's, there's a lot of differences in all that, but it was a good time and uh, I enjoyed it. So thank you for uh, participating. That's really it. 
on to next week. Thanks to all the listeners out there. We appreciate each and every one of you. We look forward to hearing from you based on this particular topic of what song defines a band. Until next week, see ya. Later. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. Fantasypoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 